This episode of the Nerdball Podcast is sponsored by Jake Paluski at Real JP Multimedia. He does the music for this podcast. He has produced this podcast. If you need anything audiovisual done, he is the man to see at realjp.com, R-E-E-L-J-P.com. Let's start the show. I'm Matthew Ross, and this is the Nerdball Podcast. the Nerdball Podcast with Lorenzo Melcher. All right, Matthew, thank you for uh, coming on my podcast today. Um, we met a while ago uh, when you were a teacher at Owens. Uh, I, I always feel weird when I'm like, when I'm at, when I was at BG, there were, I feel like they were all professors. And now, and then when I was at uh, Owens, I was like, I, I was, I think they're still professors or I don't know if they're <laughs> teachers or but I always felt weird. Like, how, how, yeah. do, we, how do we address that? <laughs> No worries, man. Uh, yeah, I, well, I don't have my PhD, so I never was technically a professor, but I answered to anything, you know. All right, Mr. Ross, Mr. Matt, as you know, with some of our students that, that were volunteers for me at the Botanic Garden, uh, you know, if people call me a professor, that's fine. But I was never technically a professor. I was I was an instructor. Oh, okay. All right. Um, so uh, the first thing I have people do is just let me know something something that you've been really nerding out about something you've been into lately uh if it's books tvs uh tv show movies just a hobby you're doing the only thing it can't be is it can't be your job so it can't be yeah, like what you do uh but something what you do outside of that that you're just super into right now well um, when you when i when i saw first off that the the title of the podcast is the nerdball podcast i'm like well man i've been a nerd my whole life <laughs> you know when i was a kid it was like I could see a baseball card and tell you exactly who I got it from, where I got it, you know, it was, was all in on baseball. And then it, you know, switched into everybody wanted a marine biologist. Cause you know, product of the eighties, you had Jacques Cousteau okay. and they're like, I needed to know every fish. And you had like every <laughs> fish book and zoo books and like, and I, and I was ADD. So, you know, I'm like watching, watching the tigers game, reading zoo books and like watching a documentary right afterwards. on like the life, you know, like the life of Jacques Cousteau. Yeah. So I've always been a, a total nerd and kind of all encompassing. I think right now, some of the things I'm, I'm most into, uh, I'd say if you talk to me now, I'd be the Pine Barrens of New Jersey. Okay. Um, like, uh, explain explain that, what that is. Yeah. So 1.1 million acres of undeveloped land for the most part. There's a couple homes and things within it, but like for the most part, central Jersey, uh, for, well, central South Jersey. Okay. Uh, there is that division, you know, the, the North. Oh North yeah. Yeah. I, I listened to a, a Chris Gethard podcast and he talks about the, the division between those. Oh two. yeah. Yeah. So I'm talking about like the South half of Jersey, but the whole center part of it. Got it. Uh, is 1.1 million acres of this amazing ecosystem. I mean, it's like the, like what the, what the world looked like back in the 1700s. Okay. Uh, so you've got, you know, areas of deep swamp with, uh, peat bogs. You've got areas that are rolling, uh, sand environments, like kind of like what you have in the Oak openings. Yeah. Uh, but a very different vibe. Uh, it's a place of mysticism. It's a place of cryptids. You got the New Jersey devil. Uh, so I've been to a lot of the fabled spots that the New Jersey devil either lives or emerges from the, you know, depths of hell, uh, through these. <laughs> big blue holes in the ground yeah um it's it's just an amazing place and ultimately it's beautiful i mean i love plants everything everything around my life revolves around chlorophyll sure uh and and i just love plants and and it's an amazing place i mean there there's things you'll see there 
that you just it just blows your mind and you're like how is this new jersey you yeah. know yeah. um so is it is this like a like a park like they have trails and stuff through it or is it just like an open area so it's a national pinelands reserve and then okay. within it there's a bunch of different parks so just like how the oak openings is set up where you've got you know state forest and municipal parks and the metro parks all kind of converging okay uh, it's very similar where there's it's it's a network of you know state forests state parks uh, all throughout it and I, and then there's parts that are just kind of like unincorporated that you can just go and be wild and uh <laughs> you know i i may or may not have i don't know if the if i should disclose this on a recorded <laughs> podcast but i may or may not have been in some of the areas that are um you know kind of off the beaten path by a okay. lot Oh, oh okay <laughs> yeah. like you go to the one spot it's the pygmy pine forest and it's like three foot four foot tall pine trees that are just massive it's twelve thousand acres as far as you can see mm-hmm. and right next to it's a massive bombing range so you've got the the government dropping bombs right next to where you're at the ground shakes and rattles and everything i mean it's it's insane wow uh, and it looks like it's straight out of stranger things i mean every time i go there i'm on instagram and i'm like stranger cue the stranger things let's let's see this giant you know, uh, watchtower that yeah. looks like an alien spaceship landed in the middle of New Jersey amongst all these, you know, three and four foot tall pine trees. Um, yeah, yeah, that's wild, man. The, the Your description of it makes it very appealing to go, go check it out. Yeah, yeah. Best place, best place in this area to catch a sunset. You know, it's like there, like the pinnacle overlook on the Susquehanna. But um, no, nah, man, the Pine Barrens is a magical place. There's, there's cool. a couple really awful B movies about it too. Sure. So, there's one called the barons <laughs> and it's like one of the guys from true blood trying to pretend to be from jersey but he's british oh no <laughs> so, like the accents are all over the board and uh you know they're they're trapped out and he's trying to see if he is the jersey devil or not oh wow <laughs> so so yeah i'd say b-movie horror films that involve plants might be the other thing i've been nerding out on oh geez recently. <laughs> and i you mean know, we could talk a full hour about that one <laughs> sure sure that might be uh you might have to come back on to talk about that stuff well I, i'll put <laughs> yeah. you on assignment and have you do some do some research on plant-based horror movies <laughs> yeah yeah i actually did a program for it at work uh and oh, did I was you? Like, yeah i was trying to change it up because we're, we're, we're a pretty formal operation and i'm like well you know what let's get informal yeah. let's do it at uh, a local drinking establishment and gathering place like the community hub and let's have some fun with this. You know, it's That's not cool. just the uh, Mandrake from Harry Potter. Yeah. It's not just, you know, Audrey too. There's so many other like crazy, weird, horrible <laughs> movies from like the 60s, 70s, <laughs> 80s. I mean, yeah. it's it's a trip, man. Well, what was that movie? Um, I forget what it was called now. Maybe maybe The Happening where the, the, yeah. was the plants were like giving off some sort of chemical or something. Don't uh, give away I, the ending, man. You just ruined M. Night Shyamalan's twist. Okay, that, that okay, that's like a billion years ago. So spoil, <laughs> I put a spoiler alert in the yeah, show notes. Yeah. But my uh I remember my boss at the time. This is ah, this is over 10 years ago. He's like, uh, so there's in part of the movie, there's a guy riding a lawnmower and he just gets yeah. off and lays in front of it. And my boss, he's so like practically he's like, that would never happen. The safety features on that mower would cut the mower off. It wouldn't even start running. Yeah. I go, all right, man, it's a movie. Let it be. <laughs> that's the type of stuff that i that i'm into man like yeah. like the, the part of, or the the uh the happening when it came out so it's filmed in philly oh, oh okay moved out here you know a couple of years ago about nine years ago uh-huh. and, and because of movies like the sixth sense because of um 
you know, the happening, I knew all these places. I'm like, oh man, that's Rittenhouse Square. Like that would, that would not have happened. That, no, come on. <laughs> like, like, it is way too nice of a park to see that yeah. happen. Come on. Yeah. No, you can't do that. <laughs> and then, and then yeah. I, I kind of got hooked on M night a little bit and uh, was, was trying to find like where he, where he filmed the villages right near where I'm at. Wow. And uh, yeah, no, it's interesting. They were, did an interview with him and he was talking about uh, the happening in particular. And he got mm-hmm. the idea while I was in the train from New Jersey back home to Philadelphia area. And I'm like, I think he wrote the entire script on that train yeah, ride. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, here's the scenario. Mark Wahlberg, Zoe Deschanel looks surprised. <laughs> and, the, and like the, the voice of reason is Marky Mark, right? <laughs> who's a biology teacher in high school who's like, it's got to be the plants. <laughs> You know, people either really love those movies or like, man, this uh, this this dude is off his rocker and none of these are good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Sixth Sense is probably one of the greatest movies, sure, four yeah. movies. You know, yeah. when, when you all see that, and spoiler alert, it's got, you know, a lot of twists. Yeah. And when you find out the biggest twist about it, you're like, man, this is brilliantly done. And, and I was a study of, I studied film uh, along with horticulture. So before I went to, Michigan State, I was I was studying film in community college when I was in high school. Okay. And I, I just got entranced. I mean, I'm I'm a total film buff. Uh wow. Okay. And you know, like the directorial style that Shyamalan put out was just like, man, you're like the next next Michael Mann. Yeah. And then you see Lady in Water, and I like it. I think I might be the only person, <laughs> but you're like, there's never, not only some of the worst one-liners in it, like this is a bedtime story to scare the crap out of kids. Really? I never even <laughs> heard of that movie. So, Oh man. Oh, Oh yeah. If you need an hour and a half to just lose yourself, uh, it's, it'll make you rethink uh, hotel pools. I'll tell you that much. Okay. All right. So, so uh, you're, well, what we've learned so far is you're a lot better at uh, not spoiling movies than I am. So, <laughs> yeah true true uh when when you were talking about going in in that forest and like in the bomb yeah. areas and stuff i listened to a, a podcast where they were trying to save um this particular kind of butterfly and they noticed that they're trying to like save habitats and this kind of stuff and they noticed where the butterflies were flourishing were on places like that where they tested tested weapons and they discovered that all the disruption that is causing is, is making plants that this butterfly needs uh, beneficial plants, making them survive and thrive in these areas for, for whatever reason. I'm sure they explained it, but I was, you know, um, I don't remember, but, but I thought that was interesting that they, they put all these efforts into like regrowing these lands and saving it. And the best spot is where they were doing nothing. And actually they were destroying things and it was helping out immensely. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Amy Corman, if you ever get a chance to run across her, she is an entomologist that worked for the U S army. And we forget sometimes that the military owns huge tracts of land. Yeah. I mean, you think about a military base, it's a large open area for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there are the facilities, there are the, you know, the equipment and the vehicles, but they own a lot of, a lot of land. And on that land, there's not a lot of human disruption. So mm-hmm. it's, it's one or the other, right? You either have preserved land that's in relatively good shape because it's been, um, you know, tended to, or you have the disruption, like what you do, um, like what you were talking about. And, and for a lot of insects, they love that. You know, it's yeah. like, this is what would have happened because back in the day, fire would have gone through here. You know, if you're a fire-based ecology, mm-hmm. the land would have been stripped multiple times. And then, you, oh, look at this. This is the perfect habitat for, for this insect or this bird. Um, 
and yeah, a lot of times that disruption is helpful, which is surprising to a lot of people. Yeah. Well, I learned too in, in school is that, Hey, there's some, there's some, some plants that need fire in order for their yeah. seeds to, to open and their seeds to, to, you know, for everything to work, which is, uh, it, like you said, it, it seems backwards, but that's just part of life. You know, all, all the, all the things that happen in the world, uh, are part of life, uh, we just might, might be making it worse. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably not but, a mic, uh, probably the, definitely. The book, uh, the life after us or the life without us, the world yeah. without us. Yeah. Okay. I, <laughs> I like, know this is what would happen to the world if humans weren't here. Yeah. And it's wild. I mean, they talk about, you know, buildings crumbling and like zoo animals that they were all released, like how they would naturalize in different areas. And like, they would find stasis. Yeah. Like, yeah. like we're the disrupting balance. <laughs> like, there was a, I think there was a TV show like that too. The, uh, oh yeah. It might've been based off that book, but yeah, there was a, a TV show, which I for me always makes it better when I can actually see things as opposed to read things. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, like I said, I met you when, when you were faculty at, at Owens, uh, and I've never, I know people that love their jobs and they're happy to go to, I love working for the Metro parks and going there and every day and running, running Pearson Metro park. And, but I've never known someone like you are the epitome of like, I love my job. It doesn't matter. Like I've, I know you through Owens, but you know, you, you were at TBG and, and now you're at Longwoods. And whenever I see videos of you, I'm like this, this guy, uh, like I said, I love my job, but it makes me feel like I don't <laughs> because you're so into it, whatever you're doing. And, uh, you, along with Mr. Foley, like it, it was your, both of your passions where I'm like, man, this is this, the stuff I'm learning, which I want to do. It made me want to learn it more because you guys are just so into it. Have you always been that way as far as not just what you do, but just in life? Like, Hey, if I'm going to be into this, I'm going to be into it hundred percent. Oh, totally, man. Yeah. Totally. Uh, uh, and I appreciate that. It was really nice of you to put it that way. And, you know, you were there at this this awesome time when it was me and Chris Foley, you know, really melding with the students. You know, yeah. you guys were as, as interested as we were. Yeah. And, and you feed off the energy of your students, right? So, so being an educator, you see a student that gets excited about something and you just want to harness it, right? You just want to have them dive in as deep as they possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was that way always with plants. So I've always been this, mega plant nerd. I mean, like my free time, I'm listening to, you know, Alexis, the black forager and like how to make acorn meal. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I might try it, sure. but like, she's this amazing, uh, you know, uh, entity that she, she's just like this super cool person. That's like, Hey, by the way, you can, you can eat all this stuff in your neighborhood. I'll, I'll tell wow. you, like, this is how you do it. Wow. And, and I fill my life with things like that with uh, nature photography, but it really boiled down to when I was three years old, my grandmother, I was at her house and I love the story because, because, you know, she's near and dear to me, mm-hmm. um, but it shows just how powerful plants can be. So I'm three years old at my grandma's house and we're eating, we're eating stuff. Right. And I go back to my parents' house and I go to the front lawn and I just start eating the grass. <laughs> and my dad's like, what is going on, man? And I'm like, no, we do this at grandma's. And he's like, man, man, I got to have a talk with grandma. Either she's slipping into senility or like, there's something you're missing. So we go back to grandma's house and she's like, Matthew, this is grass. And these are chives. These are two very different things. Oh, okay. You know? So she dug up some chives and you know, those, the old Dixie cups, the wax coated yeah. Dixie cups that yep. you used to have as a kid. She digs up some of the chives and puts them in that. I'm like, no way. No way. Uh, like, yeah, and you can plant it in the ground and it'll grow. So then I had my little chive plant at my parents' vegetable garden, three years old. By the time I was five, like half of her backyard was chives. <laughs> I, 
I'm just like constantly digging them up, putting them somewhere else, you know, go to the neighbor's houses with chives, just plant them in like the Johnny Appleseed of chives at four years old, right? And um, it was that passion, you know, like being able to see how plants are resilient, how they can divide, how they can thrive. And like, you're responsible for a biological being. Mm -hmm. uh, that to me is like a great thrill. And then seeing that, and, and you know, that knowledge and that passion imparted on students, that's, that's you know, contagious. Mm -hmm. um, you well, know, and what? I look at you and your career and, and other graduates that like fell in love with plants and nature and landscaping and being able to work one with nature like that's an amazing feeling. Um, I, well, I feel that same way. You know, I, I coach football and, and, but it's the same thing when you say, when you can, when someone's excited about it, you just try to harness it and focus them on the, on this, whatever it is for, for football, it's this position, you know, let's, let's, you figure out this position and, and learn to love it. And it's the same thing when they go on. And even, even if they don't for, for sports, even if they don't play football in college, but to understand like, Hey, I love this thing. I also love accounting and now that's what i want to do i learned how to how to you know do whatever through football you know i it, it is a, a nice feeling to to be like man i because you don't know but you're just like i hope or i think i was part of that yeah yeah um i, I do want to go back to to you planting chives um yeah. so I, i'm assuming that was the beginning of you filling your parents yard with plants um yes. how, how did they uh how did they take that of you just like, Hey, I brought, I'm, I always bring these plants home. I'm throwing them in the yard. Well, I think they appreciated that more than other things I would bring home. Okay. <laughs> I was, I was a curious kid. Right. And, uh, uh, we had a park Dodge park named for the Dodge brothers right near where I grew up, but a mile away. And we had this in fifth and sixth grade, you raced frogs and turtles. And that was like the coolest thing. The end of the year, everybody circles up and everybody puts their frog in the middle and the first frog to the end, I mean, this is probably not allowed now. I mean, I look back at it and I'm like, this is like amphibicide. Where, right? where would you, where would you get these frogs from? You just pick them up. So I'd go to the park. Okay. All right. And I had a Folgers can, like okay. an old Folgers can, a coffee can. I always wanted to have a pond. Okay. And, and I needed to get this frog. I needed to win. Right. So like every year I, I wanted to get the frog that would be the fastest frog. Yeah. And, and I had to win. So I was like, I'll train them at my house. <laughs> I'm like, I'll draw a chalk circle and I'm going to get the frog to be the fastest frog. And that's the one I'm going to take. So uh, the landscaping of, of vegetable gardening, that's pretty mundane, right? You know, mm -hmm. like worst yeah, case scenario, you're going to till it in, you're going to throw some grass over it and you're good. Right. Yeah. You start digging holes next to the foundation of a house and putting a hose next to it because you needed a pond. Oh no. <laughs> for your frogs. That gets a little bit more intrusive. You know, yeah. parents go away for the weekend, the neighbors call and they're like, something's going on at your house. I think your pool might've sprung a leak. And I'm like, no, Matt just, uh, he just hooked up the hose and left it on for three days and had a puddle that became a river. That's now on the 17 mile road, <laughs> you know? So, oh my. you know, it, it's so, and my dad always told me like, they're going to, kids are going to get into stuff and, but you know, you got to let them figure stuff out, you know, as long as it's not dangerous for them. And even if, even if it's, you know, a little bit dangerous where they might hurt themselves. You still let them figure it out, you know? And, and uh, so I'd imagine, you know, your parents were probably upset about it, but then afterward, especially in seeing you now, like, man, they have all these stories of like, yeah, this, he was destined to do what he's doing because based off uh, a, B and Z. Yeah. Yeah, totally, man. <laughs> and, and, like and you look back on it and you're like, this, this could have been solved. Right. <laughs> like I could have just had a frog in a terrarium at my house. Yeah. But I was like, no, no, we can't do that. You know, I was, I was a kid that wasn't allowed to have a dog or a cat. Okay. So, 
you know, the dog, it's like, you want to go traveling. We traveled a lot as kids. Mm-hmm. Like, do you want to go to Disney or do you want to have to take after a dog, take care of a dog? It's like, man. And then you're like, the neighbors have a cool dog. So I'll hang out over there. Yeah. Like, I always wanted this companion to like hang around. Right. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, like watching Ranger Rick and you'd be like, oh, raccoons. Sure. That'd be cool. Yeah. I wonder if one could live with me, you know? Uh, yeah. So it's amazing how, how those little things, those little nuances as a kid, like if, if I was blessed to have kids, I'd be like, you want a dog, get a dog. Let's do this. Yeah. Cause I don't want you digging a giant hole in the backyard, <laughs> filling it with water and, you know, leaking, having it leak into our basement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I always, my, my kids are always out in the backyard doing something and I always find my tools out there. And I tell them, I was like, Hey, you, yeah. you can use my tools. That's fine. Um, but at least put them away. You know, that's, you know, but that's a kid thing. Kids leave. I mean, I'm in my basement right now. And it's a mess because my kids leave stuff everywhere, but it's, it's such a, it's also a cool thing to be like, Hey, they're interested in doing all these things or figuring stuff out. You know, they, uh, well, my, my, my son and the neighbor down the street, they fixed, the, uh, they had a power wheel and the wheel broke and they fixed it. And I'm like, and it's still running like two years later. So it's cool. Like for them to get involved in this kind of stuff. And, and uh learn things on their own you know without me having to tell them um so you in high school you talked about you know doing films at community college going through that and obviously you know you're working your way to to plant school at michigan state um what was that always your choice like hey i'm going to michigan state 100 percent. no 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 okay i was i was a u of m fan oh Uh, okay wow i was i was the rare entity that actually appreciated drew henson's skills and was like man he's the truth like tom brady's a (laughs) not going to be anything like put in drew <laughs> you know and okay. then i look back and i'm like i was trying to sabotage michigan from the beginning right yeah sure <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> and uh i was like uh i got a couple options i got syracuse i got michigan i have northwood and michigan state and uh i was going to go to syracuse my dad gets me in the car like any you know great father does and is like okay we're doing a site visit yeah. syracuse is quite a ways away we're going to drive out there and, and we left on a Friday. We we're going to meet up with, I think, one of the deans or something like that at the business school and um, or one of the recruiters from the business school. Yeah. My dad and I start driving and I get the phone call from my friends like, hey, man, there's this party going on this weekend. Oh, no. <laughs> we start driving and I'm like, oh, OK, OK, there's a party going on this weekend. What, what day? And they're like, it's on, it's on Saturday night. And I'm like, OK, dad, can we get back by Saturday night? Like, can we meet the recruiter and then drive back? There's this party going on. I got to go see. And uh He's like, Matt, you, you realize this is like a 10 hour drive. We're not coming back on Saturday. I'm like, oh, okay. That's, that's kind of a bummer, but you know, I get it. And you drive like an hour later and he, you know, he sees me checking my phone again. He's like, so it's that party that you're really excited about. Right. right. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you know, my high school sweetheart's going to be there. My cousins are going to be there. My friends, it's this, it's this big party. Like it's after a big football game. I'm missing the game, you know, all this. And we go like another half an hour longer. And we stop at one of like the travel stations and grab lunch. And he's like, so what are you thinking about right now? Like, what are you most excited about with Syracuse? And I'm like, man, this is, this is going to be fun. The, you know, Syracuse, the orange men, you know, like it's far away from home. It's a really good school. And about 10 minutes into the conversation, he's like, okay, I got a proposal for you. You can go to the party. I'm like, oh, awesome. And he's like, but you're not going to Syracuse. <laughs> So I'm like, strike that one off the board. I'm done. I can't go yeah. to Syracuse. It's like, you got to give them a personal call. You have to be a man. You got to tell them like, like you are breaking this appointment and you are not going to go to Syracuse. I'm like, okay. So then I was down to Northwood U of M and Michigan Wait, wait, wait. State. Hold, hold on one sec. Hold on. So, so did he, this whole time, he didn't want you to go there? 
No, I, I, I mean, I, it's my parents. They never wanted me to leave the state. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so, you know, like, so, and then, and this party was this an act? Was this did it actually happen? And did you have a good time? Or was it one of those things you go back and it just fizzled out? <laughs> I think it was more of the latter. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's as most yeah. high school parties do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. All right. So, so your dad uh, was thankful for that, I guess. And, oh yeah, uh, totally, totally. Yeah. I mean, saved him some gas money, and you know, we had a good time, just the two of us. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, so you that one's crossed off. So then you, you said Northwood. I'm down in Michigan, Northwood, and Michigan State, and both yeah. Michigan and Northwood, both great schools. Um, couldn't have been happier to apply to 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 go to to Nor- Northwood for sure. Um, and it was still in the process of determining if I was going to apply to U of M. Mm-hmm. My brother went to Michigan State, and I came up for a weekend. And my brother, I mean, you want to talk about Nerdball Podcast? He's on another level. Like, I'm an excited, <laughs> passionate person. Yeah. My brother is like a nerd to the next level. Like, as a kid, I aspired to be him. He was just like, wow. you know, just a brilliant mind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he'd sit down and figure out a computer game in one night, right? Wow. Like, this guy's just a genius. I mean, yeah. he went on to be a doctor, and he's a you know, great dad and, you know, uh, faculty at Michigan State Medicine, uh, medical, medical College. And... Uh, I went up and hung out with him for a weekend and I was like, Oh man, this is awesome. Like beautiful campus. I fell in love with the campus North, North campus at Michigan state's a, a beautiful place. I went over to WJ Beale gardens. Uh, one of the first botanic gardens in the country and was just like, this is so cool. And I'm, you know, thinking about what I could do. And my brother's like, Matt, you've been landscaping. Like you love plants. You've always loved plants. We're, we've got this great agricultural school. And I was like, okay, but like, you know, I'm going into business. I'm going into supply chain management. That's what everybody, every kid dreams of, right? <laughs> wait, wait. So, so, so you weren't even going to school for something? No, I wasn't even going to horticulture. No, oh, really? no. I didn't, okay. I didn't know. No, that. I was going in for business. I was like, I'm going to make wow. as much money and then I'm going to run a landscaping company. And then like three months before school, it's like, I want to be an educator, but like want to be a high school teacher that's also got a landscape company and coach soccer. And then it was... Wow you know, one class at Michigan state. So I got accepted at Michigan state after mm-hmm. going, going and spending a weekend with my brother. I'm like, this is the place I want to be. Yeah. Get accepted. And, uh, I took one horticultural class, entered a horticulture and I didn't even know what the word meant. Right. I'd been working landscaping since I was about 14, 15 years old, never knew what horticulture meant. Yeah. And I take the classes with Marcus Duck and, and I was a sleeper. I was a chronic sleeper in class. Like you put me, <laughs> you put me in a high school setting. I'm going to sleep because I read the book the night before. I already know what you're going to talk about. I'm prepped enough so that I can wake up and answer a question. So you think I'm paying attention. I'm just napping in school. <laughs> right. So I'm, I'm in Marcus Duck's class and my, my neck is just twisted, just going back and forth. Right. And then I, I was, I was compelled enough and it was like the big sign of, like, this is what I need to do is when I could stay awake in class. And I was awake the entire time, just riveted after that. Mm, wow. And, and just couldn't get enough of it. It was, you know, it came to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's interesting to, to live your life this certain way, but still every part of it, like, well, I'm going to be business, but then own a landscaping. Oh, I'm going to be a teacher, but then also do landscaping. Then <laughs> yeah. at some point you just can be like, well, why don't I just do landscaping like i love it so much i want to do it on top of my already uh busy job why don't i just make that my job and apparently this class is like okay i guess this is this is going to be it then. yeah wow yeah. that's 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 a it's uh interesting to know that 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 you were super excited to to go into business to to do that um but then now you could focus your energy 100 percent of the time on plants 
Yeah. And that's the advice I give to kids now. Uh, when I talk to high school students, collegiate students, I'm like, follow your heart, man. Your, mm-hmm. your passion, like what you were talking about earlier, you know, how much I, I love my work and love my job and the impact that I have in the, the greater community and impact that I have on nature and the way that people view the world. Um, I'm, I'm like, it'll come, yeah. you know, there'll be times where, you know, you get the phone call and they're like, Hey, your credit card's doing, I'm like, I could tell you how to have the best tomato. <laughs> so like, can we exchange that knowledge? Like, I know that my credit card's doing, I'm working paycheck to paycheck, but like, have you ever had a amazingly perfect ripe tomato right off the vine? That's this heirloom tomato. And then mm-hmm. you try to think of ways, you know, with social media, with the way that the world's changed, you know, there's, there's markets for that. Mm-hmm. You know, you have someone, I, I know I talked about it earlier, Alexis, the black forager, she loves foraging. You know, she's a, she's out there eating stuff from the wild and, and she's making, she's making it work. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's amazing. Everybody I talk to knows her, um, you know, and maybe for some kids, that's not their, you know, that's not their dream. Maybe it's just, I want to grow plants and I want to work in a greenhouse. And I, I don't like people as much, but I love plants. I'm like, well, you could work at the best greenhouse in the world and, and see plants from all over the world and find other people like you. Um, and I, I think far often to today, we just focus on, and that's what I did. You know, it was like, what job can I make the most money straight out yeah. of college? Yep. Supply chain management at the time was super hot. I went to a um, career fair and I wish I knew the guy's name, right? We're at this career fair and I talked to a supply chain logistic manager. That sounds awful. Right. <laughs> yeah, like, today's I, day would be a rough go, right? It, it sounds awful, but that's what my, my sister does that kind of too. So, oh, okay. Sorry. There you go. There you go. And I was like, dude, why do you love your job? Was my first question to him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that was, you know, just imparted on me. Ask him why they love their job. And he goes, golf. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> like golf. He goes, I make enough money that I can go to the best golf courses anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm, I'm moving stuff around the world. He's like, eventually, like there, there could be AI and computers that could take my job away from me. And then I would retire and I would play golf. <laughs> right. But then, but then <laughs> you know, it, it, as, that, as that kid, right. As that kid, you could, you could just say, well, why don't you just do something with golf then? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, you know, they're superintendents do well for themselves, man. Sure. I, yeah. a buddy of mine's John Torres. He's a graduate from Owens too. Um, he graduated, I think, right before I started at Owens, right before you were there. Okay. Um, and uh, John's the head of grounds and the head of the facilities for Talent Energy, uh, which I think actually Subaru Field now, uh, the Philadelphia Union, MLS, okay. so like okay. Major League Soccer. And if you talk to John, a passionate guy, loves soccer, but was like, hey, I'm, I'm almost good enough to be a pro, but I'm probably not going to be a pro. Mm-hmm. What can I do? And uh, John now runs the entire facility. The, the fields he has a staff out there and they're one of the top rated athletic sports fields in the country yeah and he's passionate and and he's like this this is the perfect blend right I, my day i spend all day working with soccer players working, working with coaches working with the team on making the best field possible because in one sport where the field matters the most mm-hmm. soccer's where it's at yeah and he's been able to make innovations as to like the way the ball travels over soil where there's more bulk density, mm. uh, or, and I hope I'm not giving away any of his secrets 
or like, you know, if you water this part of the grass yeah. as a soccer player, you know, if it's a hard surface, the ball's going to roll faster. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you don't have as much turf there and it's more matted down, the ball's going to roll faster. It could bounce differently. Like the turf matters most in the world's most subscribed sport. Right. Yeah. Everybody in the world loves soccer. I hope. Well, uh, except the United States. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, come on, man! It's coming! It's coming! No, I just <laughs> and like here he is, and he's like, I didn't make it as a as a pro, but I am a pro. Yeah, and I'm there. Longevity. This is my career. This is my passion. So that same kid that you're talking about, that's like, I want to be an accountant. And I also want to be a wide receiver. And you're like, man, you look at the the longevity of a wide receiver, Calvin Johnson, one of the best wide receivers ever. Like what, nine years? Yeah, you could be the accountant for the team. Or maybe work for you know Jay Z as a as an agent. Yeah, <laughs> you could put your entire career into it. and You're surrounded by the sport. Yeah, like where can you combine those those niches? That's why you know you talked about uh, most people want to go for money, right? Hey, they make a lot of money here or money there. And I always tell kids, um, one of my favorite things to do. I, I'm sure I talked about it here on the podcast is uh, every fall when we're out there practicing football, when we're, when I'm just talking to kids, uh, when it's a defensive day and then I'm offensive coach, I'm talking to some kids and I always ask the seniors like, Hey, what do you want to do? What, what, what are you doing next year? What do you uh, want to do for a job? This and that. And they have, all, you know, a wide range of stuff. But my, my main point to them is whatever you do, make sure it's something you love to do, because if you love to do it, you'll learn to live with that, whatever the amount of money they're going to pay you. Uh, if you go for a job right away, because if you're going to make $100,000, you might not like it. And then you're, I feel like you're always chasing that money. And then yeah. and maybe you won't be happy. But if you're happy with what you're doing, then 30, 40, 50, 20, whatever they're going to pay you, um, you're going to be happy with it. Because you you get up, your, your alarm goes off at four o'clock because it's a blizzard and you got to go to work. It makes it a lot easier. Yeah, totally. And you also know how to make the best tomatoes. Yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah. like you're gonna eat well. Like the, the, the benefits of horticulture and knowing plants is like we all have to eat. <laughs> yeah. There's people out there that will pay well to know how to have how to access that knowledge, mm-hmm. right? I remember I was having go go ahead. Go ahead. I was having surgery and I had a um anesthetician or a, a nurse anesthetist. Yeah. And like I was going under and they loved having me there. I, I had a couple procedures in a row. And like every time as we're doing the countdown, like count from a hundred backwards, he's like, no, no, no. Instead of counting backwards, can you give me some advice on how to pinch off like my, my Dahlia so I get him to branch out more? Can you tell me a little bit of horticultural knowledge right before you go under? Cause like, and this is someone that, you know, is getting paid a lot of money to be there yeah. and you're just like, Hey, I'm the teacher at Owens, <laughs> but like, but the, but the knowledge is, is just as valuable, you know? Can I tell you when I found out what uh determinate and indeterminate tomatoes were i'm like oh my gosh this is gonna change how i garden my tomatoes and because i built this huge like trellis like hey these tomatoes are just gonna keep growing if i you know if it's 10 feet tall they're just gonna keep going up this like i was all excited about this and it's just a little thing and i've been growing tomatoes for a while but i found this thing i'm like oh my gosh it's there's a there's a difference you're just not gonna grow tomatoes there's different ways to do it or how to you know pinch off all the the I forget what it's called, but all the like um, shoots in the middle of the branches. Yes. Yeah. So it, it like all the little things that even though I've been gardening for a while, like learning new things all the time, I, I will tell you the hardest thing to do is be in landscaping and then come home and do more landscaping. <laughs> so, yeah. Or if you like, mo- keep work at work is what yeah. most people say. And it's like, yes. what do you travel to? I travel to other gardens. 
Yeah. What do you do on your free time? I listen to other people. I have hoard happy hour. Like <laughs> at the beginning of the pandemic, I was so like, I was so thirsty to connect with my peers, yeah. right? Cause you're like, I miss it. Like I, I work at Longwood Gardens and bring in the top peers all around the world. Then I started hoard happy hour. So for an entire year, we only missed six Tuesday or uh, six uh, Thursdays. Wow. And I brought people from all over the world. We had friends in Croatia and France and all over. And we would just get together. We'd sketch things out. We were doing like, uh, you know, every time we would do like a doodle. Yeah. And it was like, what, what plant? If you could have one plant with you during the apocalypse, what would you have? <laughs> right. And like one of the guys is like, easy bamboo building structure. It's edible. I'm going to make a raft. I'm going to have a house. Like I'm going to be able to catch water. It's bamboo. And the next person's like, uh, I want grains. <laughs> and they're like, they're like, yeah, like rice. Cause it's, it's, it's going to be able to survive. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, I can thatch a roof with it and all this, you know, and then you have the next person is like, I'd like my grandmother's Christmas cactus. Cause if it's <laughs> the end of the world, I want to see it bloom one more time. Yeah. Wow. That's <laughs> right? so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, and you had people from all walks of life be a part of this. And, and I, I'd say that in many ways, it was what helped get me through, you know? Sure. Like you're indoors, mental health. Obviously, I live in 490 square foot, um, you know, 12 hours away from my family. And I'm like locked in a box. Yeah. And you know me well enough to know, like, that's a problem. Sure, yeah. Right? So I'm like getting outside, being alone in nature. The Pine Barrens was a big part of that. I was going to the Pine Barrens once a week. Uh, I was trying to do a new hike two to three times a week to someplace I hadn't been to locally. Um, and then, you know, connecting with my peers on that was, was, you know, one of the blessings that we had over the last two years and you meet like wise people. Right? Sure. Yes. Yeah. So you're in that group and you're like indeterminate tomatoes and all this. And I'm like, well, there's probably someone in here who's like in France, it's probably Yovan. And he's like, yeah, we have a 20 foot tall structure and it's all perfectly done and elaborately, uh, embellished because it's a French formal garden. I, I'm spelling and, out the word tomato with my plant. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. I have to admit, man, I have to admit, seeing you as a podcaster, you 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 definitely have that same energy that you're, you're putting it all in. And, yeah, and you're the I, last uh, person. I, I don't know if I'm going to disclose too much about your past here to the audience, <laughs> but you were one of the shyest students I had. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, well, I've said that before. I've said that on this before. Like, I never thought I would be coaching uh talking in front of people interviewing people i mean next uh, or a couple fridays from now i'm giving hour-long presentations in front of perrysburg faculty and staff about you know uh, racism and that kind of stuff no oh, i mean if i would have told you that back in <laughs> back when i was going to school you're like yeah right what are you gonna get up there and talk for 30 yeah. seconds and get down you know <clears throat> so, so yeah no. you had it What's you know that? we all knew you had it in you sure um, yeah you know, Chris and I, we talk about you and the other students, obviously, because he's my best friend. We'd be up at 3 a.m. watching Michigan State basketball, grading papers and being like, you know, Lorenzo, great guy. Just amazing. I just wish he would talk more in class like he can captivate his classmates, yeah. like he could galvanize them to do amazing things. And, and you have that power in you. Uh, it's great to see it unlocked. And, you know, if they're waiting for the blue check verified. <laughs> Uh, from your other podcasters as your instructor former instructor i could say that you were shy um yeah, yeah. really 100%, shy 100 percent. i i actually when i look back at it i go uh i i because i was thinking about it before like in class and stuff i go you say that and i'm like i felt like that's the most i ever talked but it still came out as me being shy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> every once in a while though something would trigger you and you'd go off on it you know yeah. you could tell that passion like whether it was football 
or, or something about, you know, a design or landscaping. And you were just like, man, I really like this. And you would just go off and we're like, yes, take that and apply it all the way to everything. Either that or uh, be a better student because you're not quite there yet either. <laughs> no, man. No, no. I never felt that way. Never no, felt I had, there was a couple of things where I, I, if I had uh, Mr. Foley on right now, he, he, the first thing is like, yeah, your capstone was an issue. You just, you like half started three times and never finished things. And after a while, you're just like, all right, you have all these ideas. We're going to say you, we worked on all these things and just, let's just, this is the caps. This is your capstone. So let's finish this and get you out of here. You know, that was, yeah. that was, I, I did enjoy being there. Like, like I like being there. I, I think what I liked most about it is because there were so many non-traditional students. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I, I like being a part of that. Cause I always felt weird going back to school at the age I did. And I was still young. I wasn't as old as, as some of the other people mm -hmm. in there, but I always felt like, man, I, well, I'm going to, I'm late. I'm behind. I'm, you know, but then you look around and you're like, well, no one's really behind they're just deciding to do something different or starting starting differently and totally. and i'm glad that you know you guys saw especially in me like hey this is this is uh he likes this stuff and be, especially because how i went about picking what i wanted to go to owens for i took that catalog flip and flipped through the book and dog-eared everything that interests me and i just kept doing it and doing it and doing it and then the two things left were landscape and turf grass management and x-ray tech and, and those okay, were the two things. Okay. And, and then I was like, you know what? The big difference between these is one's outside and one's inside. So I'm going to go with the thing that's outside. And that's, yeah. that's what draw me to it. And then with the help of, of you guys and, and some of the other, even though uh, our soil science teacher, his name was Craig. Craig, uh, Craig, yeah. Dude, I, I, that dude, there was something about him that I really enjoyed. Um, I think it's, he was so big, but I felt like his voice was so small. Yeah. Me. Yeah. And it was just a strange thing, but he, but he seemed to enjoy, like, uh, I gotta take the soil science class and it doesn't seem exciting at all. Uh, and yeah. even the, the way he presented it, it wasn't, but the information that was there was like, mm -hmm. Oh yeah, this is, this is pretty cool. I remember, uh, Craig and I, we had two very different teaching styles <laughs> and I remember having a conversation with him about cation exchange capacity. So like one of the nerdiest things, right. But it's one of the most critical factors with soil is and they brought me into owens to teach soils that was the first class that oh I taught, okay right and i'm like oh great new guy on campus and i'm teaching soil science the kids are gonna love me right <laughs> and then i'm in there i'm 24 years old and as you mentioned a lot of the students were older um yeah. so we had a lot of non-traditional students and i i don't i don't remember who all was in that first class maybe marty gaster yeah. right and i'm sitting down i'm waiting and i'm just sitting and absorbing at what everybody's lis listening to saying and I had the name up on the board, you know, Mr. Ross and all this. And I'm just sitting back with the rest of the students. And it's my first class. They don't know who I am. They don't know anything about me. And I'm sitting down and I'm just listening. And it's like five minutes are past. And I'm like, oh, five minute rule. If this guy doesn't show up, we're out of here, right? Like, <laughs> and like two or three of them were like, yeah, that's right. We got one minute. He's, we're going to get out of here. And the whole time I'm just soaking it up like a sponge and I'm loving it. Right. So, cause teaching is a lot of theater, right? It, sure, it is, yeah. you've got to make it engaging, you got to make it fun. And, and I'm like, okay, uh, I'm going to go stand up in front of everybody. And yeah, by the way, I'm your teacher. <laughs> you know, like, you know, I've, been here the, I've been here the whole time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. And, and it came like two or three weeks later, it's cation, cation exchange capacity. So the ability of a soil to hold on to nutrients. Mm -hmm. It's one of the most critical factors when it when you look at soil health. And I'm like, how do you teach this? Like, this is some dry stuff, right? Yeah. Oh, if you have 
this binding agent from this soil <laughs> particle is going to be able to absorb or absorb uh, one free cation, right? And you're reading this, and you're like, that's not fun, right? So you're like, what can I do? Red Rover, Red Rover, bring your cation over, right? <laughs> so you line up in the hall, and you start off with sand, and there's like four people. There's two on each side of the wall. And then people come through and they have to put their arm out and try to grab the cation, right? Like freeze yeah. tag. Yeah. Well, then you have, you know, clay soil and they get a lot closer and they, they have one hand out. And now it's eight students or 10 students instead of four students. And someone's walking through and you got to grab the cation. Look at, oh man, look at all the fertilizer the soil can hold. And you're like, now you're organic matter. You get both hands and both feet. There's nobody getting by you, <laughs> right? And there's 40 of you and there's one cation. And like, that's why it's so tightly held. Yeah. Um, and I remember our, our uh, uh, department chair walking by and being like, what is this new teacher doing? Like all the people in nursing and x-ray techs, they're like out looking in the hallway. Like, what is going on out there? Yeah. This is amazing, you know? And uh, that was part of what made it fun. It was, it, was, it was wild, man. What did you, when you came up with that idea, were you right away like, this is going to be a hit? This, or were you still apprehensive? No, I was, I was probably like the night before and I'm like, <laughs> How can I still, because, you know, you're fresh into the gates and you have another job too. Yeah. You're like, how can I make this fun? Like, what would be fun? And you're just thinking in your mind, I'm like, Felix the cat for cations. Um, you know, like, what could we do with that? Like play a cartoon or something. We had soil genesis. I'm blaring like Phil Collins. And I'm like, the earth begins with soil genesis, just like how rock begins with this little number right here from Phil Collins on the drums. Right. <laughs> like, and, uh, when I did the cation exchange one, I remember I was like staying up late, which was common with Chris. And I'm like, what if they like, what if we do Red Rover? Cation's moving through. It's a person. Yeah. Because I hated chemistry. I did not like chemistry at all. Like I took, uh, I know you had a funny story about having class with your mom. Mine was my sister. Oh, okay. So Michigan State, my sister followed through. The whole family's all green and white. And we're in uh, chemistry class. And there, there's 400 people in the lab or 400 people in the class. And then they have your lab assignments based on your last name. No one knows anybody. It's totally impersonal, which is great for chemistry because you don't want people to know who you are. Yeah. Right. You're sitting back in class and they, they're like, oh, we're going to have everybody uh, pair up for labs and we're going to go by your last name. And then they call your sister and you out. Right. So our last name's Ross, obviously. I'm M.A., Matt, and she's Megan, M.E., so it's like, well, Matthew and Megan, the odds of her being my, my chemistry partner are 50-50 at this point. <laughs> Either we're going to pair up or like we're going to split and we're going to go, I'm going to go with whoever else is like Rost. Yeah. Right. And um, <laughs> they announce it and the teacher's like, oh, that's adorable. Are you guys related? <laughs> and I'm like, in front of 400 people in Michigan State, come on. What are you adorable. doing? Adorable. <laughs> I'm like, now I'm adorable. Thanks. Like. Really looking forward to watching this on E-Bombs World someday. <laughs> yeah. um, how'd you make your way to, how'd you find your way to Owens? Oh, man. Uh, Chris. Okay. He was, so Chris was an alum from Michigan State. Mm -hmm. uh, my brother was living in Toledo at the time. My brother and sister-in-law both did their residency in Toledo. My brother was at uh, um, Prometica. And my sister-in-law was at St. V's, I think. Okay. Um, and... He had moved to Toledo and again, following my brother's footsteps. I was like, oh man, there's this, there's a botanic garden there. That's pretty cool. And I'm like, I, I'm getting my master's. I want to teach and I want to work in the field. Right. And right before the job at Owens, I had 
thought, do I want to go to Chicago? That's, that's where I always wanted to live. It's an amazing city. And there were some landscape jobs, but there was no teaching involved, mm. right? So again, it's like, I, I want to blend both worlds. And then I thought about doing a PhD and I went down to Purdue and I was a prospective PhD student. And I got some fantastic advice from the guys that I was going to work under. Um, Dr. Micklebart uh, from, from Purdue is like, wow, this is great. We're going to work on like biochemistry. We're going to do some genetic analysis and we're going to do some basic science. And I was like, oh man, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Like, and he's like, if you don't know and you want to do a PhD <laughs> and there's any bit of doubt and you're not like, if, you're, if your nerve brain isn't firing over like tree biochemistry, yeah, then like, this isn't going to work. <laughs> like you have the other jobs lined up. And at this point I had already applied and interviewed at Toledo Botanic. He's like, take the other jobs, man. Yeah. He's like, you're at the, you know, produce one of the top schools in the nation. And he's like, you're at one of the top schools in the nation and you're a candidate. So like, this is transferable. You can come back someday. But if you're not a hundred percent in, and the next four to five years of your life is going to the lab and checking out like the cellular level of plants, then you probably don't want to be here. <laughs> and the next day it was like serendipitous. I got the call from Owens and it was Chris and we just totally hit it off. Nice. Um, you know, that as a student, I mean, he's a great, uh, yeah. great guy and, and, and really helped mentor me. And I started with soil science, plant science lab. And then I was helping as a lab walk for woody plants. That was mm -hmm. my first year. And then every year I just got progressively more involved at Owens and I'm like, What's the next step? Uh, and that's when, um, I don't know if you remember Toledo Grows and Michael Zaburla. Oh, well, yeah, you, you started the Urban Ag stuff at Owens. Yeah, right? that's yeah. that's how I went full-time at Owens. Okay. So I I met Mike Zaburla, for anybody who's out there that knows him, like one of the most amazing human beings who was like, I'm blending horticulture, agriculture, and social justice together. Yeah. Right? As much as it was about growing food, it was about bringing together the community. It was about showing that, there's, there's a place for minorities in agriculture um, outside of just being, you know, the traditional um, ag worker. Yep. There, there's, there's other opportunities out there. And, and what he did and, and the community with help of the Anderson Corporation um, and, and Toledo Grows was showed a lot of at-risk youth. And then we actually worked with incarcerated youth too, that there's a, there's a place for you uh, mm -hmm. in, in horticulture and agriculture. And man, there's nothing more powerful then the very first time I went to Toledo Grows and met some of the young men that were working with them and young women uh, that were growing crops that fell in love with it. And I was like, whatever I do professionally right now, I need to be a part of this. Yeah. And that was when we recognized the niche that like, man, we could have a certificate for students in urban agriculture so they could come through the program with Michael and work with Toledo Grows and either volunteer or some of them were court adjudicated. Um, and then you've got a, a pathway to college. And it's through plants. It's through being outdoors. It was amazing. It was way ahead of its time, I think, because I think so eventually too. the college, the college didn't recognize, in, in my opinion, what what that meant to the community mm -hmm. and what that meant to the the larger picture and the the bigger picture of social justice. Where it's like, if people, if nothing else, they learn how to teach themselves how to eat and appreciate, you know, raising raising their own food. That's going to empower them. Um, so even if they're working an hourly job and they go home at night and they have their own vegetable garden, they're richer for it, mm -hmm. you know? And, and I think the college just was a little short-sighted in that. And it was turbulent times and those economic collapse and everything else too. Um, 
so unfortunately the, the certificate doesn't exist anymore. Um, but, but that, that was an amazing program. And, and I was very happy for my time in Toledo. Um, how, how long were you at Owens? Uh, six years. Wow. That's a, uh... Yeah, I didn't think I didn't realize it was that long, but yeah, that's a yeah well, well, yeah. well, you definitely you know made an impact, obviously, and then uh, I think you're right. It was definitely ahead of its time because if something were like that to pop up now, uh, not only would I think it'd be thriving, but I think it'd get recognition too, as far as like, hey, look at this new program that's happening um, around Toledo because it, it's like you said, it it helps people appreciate all that kind of stuff, and I know. Um, whether it, it they do or not food t always seems to taste better when when we have to take care of it when oh, it's in totally. our backyard yeah i love when my kids go to our raspberry patch and just pull raspberries off and eat them uh same thing with strawberries that was asked like that can i can we have strawberries i go hey if they're out in the yard they're free game you if you're the, if your friends are over and they want some go for it just make sure make sure you're washing, washing the sand off but other than that like let you know let it go I, I attached our berry garden to their sandbox so sometimes all that stuff will creep over into their sandbox too and so i didn't even think about it but i think i'm i'm glad i did that because now when they're playing not not so much now because they're older but when they were playing in there they could see that stuff they're like oh can we eat that you know and, and then facts you know, so, like yeah. every kid dreams yes yes and, and i would want to clarify i mean i i did a i did it i'm very grateful for the opportunity owens yeah uh, invested in the program i mean it wasn't it wasn't just you know being ahead of its time it was it was that they took a rider on us mm -hmm. uh and the work that we did it still has a lasting legacy so toledo grows is still very much alive and active um and and they're still changing lives uh through community gardens through their yeah. their workforce development programs um and the you know on the college it was a tough choice you know it was sure and, and then you know it coincided with my departure as well uh so it was it was a difficult decision um yeah. but they if it wasn't for owens i don't know if the oneida center would have been able to be furnished and built and that we had you know three great years with students uh learning uh urban ag and, and many of those students do great things now yeah. um it's it, it was a shame that it, it wasn't galvanized more that people didn't notice the power of urban agriculture. It was right when Detroit was really starting to rise up uh, through through the power of growing plants and and really seeing that that green revival of the city. Um, and now it's you know it's like the coolest thing, right? You move to a city because yeah. you want a community garden plot, right? You're like, oh man, I'm moving to Denver. I got to be in the Cherry Creek uh, community garden plot. It's like competitive. And then like our counterparts back in Europe are like, yeah, we've been doing this for a couple hundred years, guys. I don't know why this is such a hard concept for you. But I, I know when I'm driving around and there's vacant lots, I, that's what I think about too. It's like, oh man, that'd be cool to have a garden there. Um, or, you know, this, or, Hey, there's a, just an empty parking lot. Why can't we just take that out put a garden there? But I, I take it too with, uh, I said it before, but my neighbors both on both sides of me, I use, use some of their yard to, to grow vegetables and uh i just let them know like hey here's what we're growing this year or ask them what they want to grow and then i'll take care of it it's on your property i'll take care of it and whenever you guys want to go out there pick whatever you guys want to pick and you know we're going to share this thing but I, but i always i told andrew like i want if something were to happen i i want the people around me to know how to grow food yeah um, because yeah. It's, it's just like we said it's important and if if we can survive together uh when times are good then we can hopefully survive together when they're not so good so, but I, I do, um, I mean, I'd like to expand, <laughs> expand that, uh, to other neighbors, but, 
I might be, <laughs> I might be, uh, uh, need to wait a little bit more till, till people realize like, Hey, we can't just have people in my backyard <laughs> growing vegetables randomly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're uh, out, they're out there. They're, they're, you know, in the chase, ch you know, sitting down reading a book and people are just coming in <laughs> grabbing food. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, I'll tell you what though, during the pandemic, uh, a good friend of mine, Mara Tyler, she's a, a flower farmer, uh, the farm in Oxford, really amazing uh, dahlia grower. And, and it's more than that, but, but she was right as the pandemic hit, right? She was one of the last teachers that taught a program for us. And like the very next day, it's like, we're shutting everything down. Oh, wow. And we were talking and she's like, well, I got to figure out what I'm going to do for a vegetable garden for my family. Cause like, I don't want to go to the store. Yeah. And the two of us got together and just, it was this great synthesis. So the last, you know, two, two years, two growing seasons, we've had this big family farm or farm plot, Right. Uh, this vegetable garden that I've been back, you know, vegetable gardening again, you know, doing a lot of the same stuff that I was doing at Owens, that small scale agriculture. Mm -hmm. And that skill set kept us fed, you know, like yeah. I didn't have to go to the grocery store. It was great. Is that the one you'd always go live on when you were? Yeah. In yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. That, it was that, cool. It was cool. Yeah. I liked it. It's uh, I would, I mean, I'd have more garden spaces if I didn't have kids, but they also need grass to run around on and do stuff. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. like, hey, don't go over there. The zucchinis are growing over there. Stay out of there, you know, but they, so it's, it's all strategically placed right now, but uh, oh yeah, eventually I even told Andrea, I was like, we're not gonna have a front yard eventually. Just, so, just prepare yeah. yourself. You know, that might not be for another, you know, 10 years, but uh, it's, I'm going to take it over eventually. It's so. going to be chives. There's going to be a four-year-old kid <laughs> and his grandmother hooked him up with some chives. He goes out in the front lawn and you're like, pull out all the grass and just leave the chives. <laughs> we do like, have chives, but we only have one. So yeah. they're not everywhere. <laughs> like instead of mowing, you're out there precisely chopping it and bagging it. <laughs> like what's up, with, what's up with this guy mowing his grass with scissors? Get, get him yeah, out of there. Yeah. <laughs> Revive um, Johnny Depp, and you're like, this is Edward Scissorhands, and he's going to be collecting all the chives for your fine dining tonight. Uh, after Owens, uh, you you went to Longwoods, correct? Yep, yep. Um, and you've been there ever since. Uh, besides you, uh, I've I've never heard of Longwoods. So besides the information that okay. you put out and see, um, can you uh, explain to people what it, what it is that that you guys do there? Yeah, totally. So uh, Longwood Gardens uh, is the lasting legacy and the living legacy of Pierre DuPont. So the industrialist uh, of the DuPont company uh, purchased about 200 acres in 1906 at 33 years old when he, when he was, uh, you know, running the DuPont company and having a great uh, time uh, exploring the world and being fascinated by fountains and gardens and trees. And he found this property here uh, situated in Brandywine Valley, uh, which is about 30 miles south of Philadelphia. And was like, I want to have the world's greatest garden. And really, he created it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's 1,100 acres about. Um, it's got a show fountain that rocks anything else in the world. So we just, we, we, we renovated it 2014 to 17. Um, it was a $92 million renovation to give you kind of scale wow. and scope. Yeah, wow. uh, It's the largest residential garden I've ever seen. Because, I mean, he lived here on property. Okay. Uh, and, and it's one part of that, like three-legged stool. So performing arts is a big part of what we do. Uh, he had John Philip Sousa playing like the marching band was here and he would have fountain shows with him and all kinds of amazing things happening during his heyday. And now we bring in like great musical acts. We have a choreographed fountain show that even includes fire jets. 
So some pretty amazing stuff. Uh, and then the other parts of the, the three legs are our fine horticulture and gardening and design. Uh, so it's one of the most elaborately designed gardens you'll see anywhere in the country and anywhere in the world. Uh, we have a 92 or 86 acre uh, meadow, uh, which is all Chester County native plants, which is really, really impressive. Mm -hmm. And uh, the commitment to the natural lands is really strong. But then we also have a commitment to plant exploration, research, and display. We have a huge project going on right now. Our conservatory is being reimagined. Uh, and when it's done being built, it's going to be the most amazing blend of the old world and the new and the futuristic side of things. Mm -hmm. So his conservatory was built 1919 19 to 1921. Uh, I think it maxed out around four and a half acres. And it's incredible. Uh, for those of you that haven't been to Philadelphia uh, to see this garden, it's breathtaking. Uh, the other third uh, part of the stool is education. That's where I fit in. Okay. And uh, in continuing education, we run about 200 programs a year. We have free online programs as well as paid opportunities. Uh, we engaged with, uh, through our free online programs, we've had about 20,000 students worldwide. Uh, we have partnerships with North Carolina State, with the Creamery, that amazing place I was telling you about earlier where we do plantology on tap. Uh, and uh, we have about five or so thousand students every year in continuing ed. We have free virtual field trips for kids all around the world. We're one of the top virtual field trip providers as well. So a real strong commitment to education. We have a fellowship program. We have a two-year residential program where people come uh, from all walks of life. To be trained in fine horticulture. I, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you about that because there was yeah. a, stu a student at Perrysburg who also I coached in junior high track, and she worked for me at Pearson this summer. But she, she was like, I, I don't know what I want to do. You know, I think I'm gonna go to. to she told me a four year school she's gonna go to, but she, she has mm -hmm. her own landscaping business. She wants to get in horticulture, but she specifically said, if I think after I'm done, after I'm done getting my degree I want to go to Longwoods and she talked about that two-year program and I told her I said well if you want to do it after high school or whenever you do let me know because I know someone who works there uh yeah. and he can give you all kinds of information but she's the one who brought that up to me and I thought that was uh, oh, that's a powerful. really cool thing too like like she was all excited about it and then the, the program itself like oh you can go there and like be there and be in yeah. and all that stuff two years free schooling and they pay you as a staff member and you get housing yeah yeah I thought so I thought that was an awesome program yeah like and then depending on where you want to go, they do have some articulation agreements where that then counts as two years of college towards a four-year degree. Oh, okay. So we've had students that have, have taken advantage of that um, yeah. articulation agreement um, as well. And we also have a really, really great internship program. Um, so it's it's interesting when you're in the public gardening world, anywhere you're at in the world, the many of you say Longwood Gardens, they're like, oh, I know so-and-so that was there yeah. or I worked there. Or I was an intern in 76, I was an intern in 92, or I was a prohort, or I was a Longwood graduate fellow. And it's it's really heartwarming. Uh, yeah. You know, our industry is very small. Uh, you can, you know, it, 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 it's, it's kind of humbling at times, uh, but it's also really eye-opening that when you're in public horticulture and landscaping and, um, you know, in, the, in those industries, how many people have been impacted by one garden? And if you look back at like 1906 and you told Pierre DuPont, like you're going to engage with some of the top leaders in the world at some point in time as being the place where they got their fundamentals and a place of where they hone their craft, I'm sure he would have loved it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it sounds like an amazing place that, 
no matter what you're into is you can get something out of it. Totally. I mean, there, totally. there's, there, you just rattle off so much, so many things. And, and I'll put the, uh, the website too, in the show notes. So if people mm -hmm. want to know more information, um, also, uh, if, if, if you don't mind, I'll put your email in there yeah, too. If people totally. want to get a hold of you, uh, about, about certain stuff. Um, I'd love to have your student come out here and see it in person and, and, and really inspiring the next generation is a, is a big, big part of my life. Um, and if she doesn't get into Longwood, there are other programs out here too. Um, and other gardens for her to see. I mean, people, people, when, when friends come from the Midwest uh -huh. and they come out to Philadelphia and they're like, there's 37 major gardens in 30 miles. They're like, what? And they're like, <laughs> yeah, like birthplace of America, birthplace of America's gardens. Right. Yeah, okay. Like, so like, if you think about it, a lot of the, you know, the, the, the Thomas Jefferson's, the Ben Franklin's of the world uh, were obsessed with plants, mm -hmm. even before them. I mean, like, if you look at Alexander von Humboldt and, and, you know, all of the great poly uh, geniuses of their, their era, the polymaths of their era, plants was where it was at, Yeah, you know, like that, that was a big part of the reason why America was, you know, for for what it was uh, a colonial establishment was because of plants. I mean, it was, it was plants and obviously the other things that came along with that. Um, unfortunately, uh, you know, but one of the big things was that it was plant expiration. Yeah. You look at John and William Bartram and the work that they did to, to, to catalog North America's flora and then send it back to the colonial power. Um, that's, that's essentially the essence of what created a lot of the public gardens in this country. Yeah. And then you had, you know, David Hasek, who has a bit part in uh, Hamilton, the musical, who was the doctor for Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton, had this garden called Elgin Garden. And he was, you know, doing that where Rockefeller Center is right now. Um, but really from like New York all the way down to D.C. is this just massive um, hub of horticulture. And when you get to see like the, the legacy of those individuals, as well as people like the DuPont family, where, you know, your cousins have like one of the largest mansions in the world. And they're like, I love plants. And I, these are the plants that I love. Like I want a French formal garden in the middle of Wilmington, Delaware. And then my other cousin, he's into romantic gardens and he's going to have azaleas and this giant carpet of azaleas and understory bulb plants from Europe. And then Pierre's like, I love fountains. And like, I want to make uh, the engineering aspect of gardening be a reality for the public and for my friends to see these amazing elaborate shows. And it gets almost into a bit of a competition. Sure. And then we benefit from that today because if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have these massive uh, gardens that can truly inspire others. Uh, and then it trickles down. So yeah. you've got all the smaller gardens and you've got, you know, uh, Chanticleer, like the most amazingly beautiful garden. It's, it's, I always joke around and say like, I'm married to Chanticleer or I'm married to Longwood and, and I'm definitely going out to see Chanticleer more often. Like, like it, it's my weekend getaway, my vacation uh, in town is going to Chanticleer to see how passionate those gardeners are and the combinations that they make. And that's less than 50 acres. Yeah. So it doesn't need to be a huge garden uh, mm -hmm. to change, your, change your, 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 your lens. Well, you definitely make me uh, <laughs> want to plan a trip out there now. Cause it's, yeah, man. it's, it's just looking at stuff. And we did that a few times at Owens going to different arboretums and stuff. And that's the one thing I like about uh, TBG as opposed to the other Metro parks uh, that things are labeled. 
like i love labor because yeah. i don't know I, I, no one knows everything but it's cool to to uh see all these plants and having scientific names my wife always asks me like why why do they have scientific names i go well, first of all they're fun a lot of them are funny and they're cool to say uh second of all you can take yeah. that you can take that and it's this scientific name is the same here and same in canada and the same in china like it's, it's the same everywhere so people can speak the same language even if they don't really speak the same language so and then you get in really in-depth plant nerdy conversations like with my friends yesterday i was at the smithsonian to see the futures exhibit and hang out with some of the uh, gardeners from the Smithsonian, the horticulturalists there, as well as friends that are landscape architects. And we literally had like a 15 minute uh, aside about Agastachi, or is it Agastakiki, or <laughs> Agastashi, or Agastaki. And then like one of them, she's, she's British and she's like, I'm never going to correct your English. <laughs> because you've all gone far off the deep end. Yeah. <laughs> right? like, and you know, you have these awesome conversations and you're like, it's spelled the same. So if we just write it, we're good. Yeah. Right. Yeah, there you <laughs> we go. don't even have to say it. <laughs> well, even all those, all those pronunciations, you can still picture the word. So even, even if we are pronouncing it wrong, it's still the, it's, you still know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. We talked about all this, this love of plants and love of everything. What is your, what's your favorite plant? Tree, shrub, food. Oh, like man. do you have one, one favorite plant or, or a family of plants that you like? Oh man. Uh, do you have a favorite kid, Lorenzo? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I have what I like more. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you got to add the qualifiers of someone like me, right? So sure, you yeah. ask most people, like, oh, I love irises or peonies. Yeah. You're like, yeah. So, like, we're talking herbaceous temperate. Are we talking about tropical hardwood? Well, how, how about oh. this? Give me, give me, you got to have, like, a few. So, so yeah, you yeah, to narrow it down to one, but give me a few. Yeah, the, the Victoria uh it's the largest water platter in the world okay totally captivating right it's a plant that's got spikes it can grow 20 foot in uh in, in space in a year we started from seed and they've got like big thorny spikes and big lips on the uh wow. edge of the pad so that they actually act as like a battering ram and rip up all the vegetation around really them. yeah oh yeah no man plants are cool like oh. a, lot, a lot of people forget about this that, that like they're in this world to compete and to procreate and sustain themselves, right? So just like human beings, they're going to do whatever they can to fight back, right? I don't yeah. know if you remember, I didn't have all the foliisms that Chris had, but one of my <laughs> one of my taglines was um, plants are in the business to survive. Yeah. Right? And you got to remember that. And they're going to do everything they can to make that happen. Yeah. So that's a really cool plant um, that that has a long, long history here at Longwood too. Um, and I would say from an aquatic standpoint, that in Aquarius is a really awesome water lily or foxfire. Um, from a tree tree standpoint, that's that's hardy here. Um, I have really great memories with bald cypress. Uh, going through the Everglades, I did a plant exploration out there where we saw, you know, we're in chest high water, uh, full of alligators and snakes and all that fun stuff. Uh, freaking out a little bit because I'm from Michigan and I'm like, there's nothing in our waters that'll kill you. Uh, Except you the know. algae, apparently. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that would that would yeah. We don't want to go into that. Um, <laughs> but uh, I have some really fond memories of bald cypress, uh, the Pinus rigida, or the the um, uh, gosh, this uh, is a favorite. That's a big one in the Pine Barrens, and, and there's something magical about it. Mm -hmm. uh, the one I want to see. So I've got I've got like a, you know, gone in sixty seconds when he had that that Shelby that was his dream. Yeah, I got a couple of those. So Holonius bellata oh. is swamp pink, and swamp pink grows in New Jersey. It's critically endangered. 
Uh, I think it's critically, it's definitely endangered. It's yeah. very rare. Okay. And I know where the population is. I've seen it multiple times and I just got to, you know, somebody has got to tell the deer and the bunnies and everything else not to eat it when it's going to bloom. <laughs> but seeing in the wild would be something that I'm really looking forward to. Uh, I've seen it in cultivation. It's a beautiful plant. Uh, they're actually really easy to grow from the standpoint of propagation, mm -hmm. but very niche in the landscape. Okay. And then I'm, I'm obsessed with a lot of native orchids. Uh, I like turqu the turquoise and, and, and jade color, the strandalon or the jade vine. Um, yeah, I could go on and on, man. Sure, yeah. Rainbow yeah. eucalyptus is, 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 you know, if I'm going tropical hardwood, that would be up there. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's wild. What about you, man? If, if, what, what would be your favorite plant? Uh, so mine... And I, I've loved it since the first time I saw it when I started uh, my first landscaping job that I got through the, the uh, Owens had a, a job fair that I got through there. Mm -hmm. um, the business is no longer there, but it's Premier Gardening um, with Margie. And um, but I saw well, the first time I saw a smoke bush, I'm like, what is what is this? It looks so weird. I've never seen anything like it before. Um, and I love that plant enough where I bought one. Uh, I think there was a Someone I worked with, their, their someone they knew was at was at a uh, had a business and they were going out of business. So I bought a smoke bush. I planted it in my. I didn't. I have an apartment at the time, so I planted it at my in laws, and it's still it's still there now. It's survived a couple uh, rejuvenation prunings that were necessary because everything else died, um, mm -hmm. but it's still there. And it's it's so I don't know. I just I really like that. Um, there is someone in my neighborhood who has a uh, metasequoia glyptostriboides. Yeah, there's uh, that name. To, that's a yep. that's a fun name to say. Yes, I love that. And every time we when we walk around a neighborhood, I love staring at that tree. It's so straight. It's right in their front yard. Um, but that's that's one of my favorite trees too. And really, um, in my backyard, it's a lot of like normal landscaping plants because I, I buy all the plants but I also know that um I don't want to get too exotic because I have to take care of it and people you know my kids are gonna be running around so nothing like too expensive um but I do um like uh lilacs I have lilacs in my okay. backyard they're real easy um to grow and they're right by a window where we can we open it in the springtime and the scent comes in the house uh, i do have to move them because i always think of chris because he always you know everyone says right plant right place and these are definitely not the right place uh they're too big uh, so i got to move them around a little bit um but yeah i, I those are those are the plants i like i i, I like uh I, they seem to me and i always try to tell people too like because they'll ask like what's your favorite plant or what's this and, and to me like the plants I named are pretty readily available. People can get them. They're not like super, they're, they're super common, but that doesn't change the fact that I like them. You know, I like these things and, and regardless of, of everyone has them or nobody has them, um, it's, it's something I like. So that's why some of these things are in my yard, you know, or, and finding new, like, I love finding new uh, annuals. Like I got uh, okay. this, this thing called a popcorn plant a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I saw it and there was a lady at this little garden center that I went to, I would go to every year to buy my annual. She goes, check that out. I go, what is that? She goes, it's called a popcorn plant. Rub it and smell your fingers. I'm like, oh my gosh, this smells just like popcorn. It's amazing. <laughs> yes. Yep. <laughs> so I, I planted that and that grew, that thing got huge. 
Um, oh yeah oh yeah. yeah so i had no idea what i was i just planted it and i had to like prune it back because it was encroaching on the driveway and my wife's car and everything but uh it was cool and then a banana plant i planted one year which also got okay. giant and i didn't realize how much water it held like i so at the end like i cut a leaf off and i squeezed it and so much water came out and i'm yes. like this this is amazing too you know but i always put those weird plants in the front yard because I like people seeing them and then they ask me about them and, and we get more, more nerd talk of plants and stuff. Um, but yeah, de definitely trying to find new annuals is a cool thing I like too. even though like they die, I can't keep them around, but it's cool to, to grow them for the summer. Well, Bill Albert, there's a guy out in Toledo who grows bananas year round. He's, he's Oh, does he? Yeah. He uses some of the hardy ones, the bajus and, and he, he gets a massive growth on his bananas and he's, He's perfected the art of overwintering bananas. That's cool. So there is hope out there, man. Sure. You, can, you can bring them back every year. They don't always have to be an annual. They're they're going to live somewhere else, you know, year round, yeah. right? So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Matt, uh, thanks for coming on. This was awesome. Uh, you know, I, I knew you for a while, but it's cool to uh, to just really get into this. And much like you, whenever there's someone that also likes plants, I. Uh, I can really go into that and, and you have way more knowledge than I do, but it's cool to, to, I, I want that stuff. You know, I, I want that information. Mm -hmm. And when people always ask me questions about this particular thing, I always go way more into detail because, because that's just how it is. Like, Oh, you just wanted to know how to green up your grass. Sorry. I, I'll stop talking. Yeah, right yeah. People are probably like, Oh, he's going to tell us how to get the best tomato. What is he talking about? Frogs and training <laughs> out his parents' backyard and, and like, yeah. Yeah. So it was nice to be able to talk a little bit deeper than just plants and, and, and really provide the backstory of how I'm such a nerd about everything else. Yeah, man. It's, it's awesome. And, and I'd love to have you back on at some point, you know, we can talk about whatever, you know, you're, you're obviously you're an educator. So, so that's something you do every day is talk to people, which, which, uh, believe it or not, doesn't always go well on this podcast. <laughs> so, so sometimes <laughs> really? you get good ones and sometimes you don't, but that's the nature of the podcast. And, and I'll interview anybody. So I, I, you know, I love talking to high school kids too. So they'll come on here and talk about whatever they want to talk about, but well, that's so, great. yeah. So it's, it, and if, you know, this podcast is, I mean, I'm not popular enough to say no to people. So I, you know, I love talking to people. So I think, uh, two episodes, episodes ago, there was a sophomore and his younger brother. That was, a um, a water boy for us we're on so it's it's cool. fun to talk to all kinds of people get all kinds of information like i said you know hope you you can come back on we can talk more about whatever because it's it's whatever you talk about um i'm interested because how you put the information out is to me is amazing and i and i learning firsthand not just here but also taking classes with you i i know that whatever the whoever signs up for whatever you're doing at longwoods they're going to get the most out of it because you you want that information out there and you love the information you're giving so it's 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 whatever you whoever's listening to this if you sign up for stuff with, with matt ross you're gonna get uh your money's worth uh regardless of how much it is so um, i really appreciate it man it's great to see you develop into uh uh the the guy we knew you were underneath that shy exterior <laughs> well thanks matt and, and thanks again for coming on uh have a good day yep. and, and i'll be talking to you sounds great please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. It means the world to me. If we can get this podcast off the ground and running, you don't have to share the whole, all the episodes. Just share one you like. Uh, one podcast, uh, if you share one, could turn into a subscriber down the road. So any little bit helps. Uh, my my Gmail is the nerdballpodcast at gmail.com. I'm on all the social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Find me at Twitter at 
the Nerdball Pod. Instagram is the Nerdball Podcast, and Facebook is a page at the Nerdball Podcast. Thanks to Real JP Multimedia, Cut of Fish Graphics, Perrysburg Junior High STEM, and Big Daddy Graphics for helping out the podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.